Hello, everyone, and welcome to your Uncle's Beach House, episode 65. I'm Jackson. I'm joined by M as usual. It's robot time. It's robot time. Hello, and we're joined by a guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Austin Ramsey. Hello. Welcome. Uh, you ha- haven't been on since... What was the last thing you were on? The second Grand Lagan. Oh, right. I was actually looking back to see... Uh, the uh, previous starting recordings and i noticed i say i'm good to go every single time so apparently that's my catchphrase yeah we all have something um well at least we're here today to talk you know that girl in the gone episode that second one's a really good podcast <laughs> yeah if you're a fan of girl in the gone you should check it out <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not signing off on that <laughs> yeah start with the first girl in episode yeah, you gotta go in order, obviously. obviously. Um, and also, never never contact me after you listen. Grin <laughs> <laughs> the gun fans, DNI. Yes. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, we're here to watch something that has absolutely nothing to do with that. Uh, what did you get for us this time? So, when I uh, initially pitched this to Am, I said that we were gonna watch a show about that would show us what uh, mecha cartoons from America looked like in the early 2000s, and I fucked up on both those accounts because this is not a mecha show, nor is it from the early 2000s. We are going to be uh, talking about a big guy and Rusty the Boy Robot. Yeah, uh, big guy and Rusty the Boy Robot is like a 1999 and 2001 uh, TV show, but it is based on a 96, I think, 95, 95. Uh, uh just uh two issue comic book series uh written by frank miller uh drawn by jeff darrow um and oh you mean it's miller time i mean it's miller time (laughs) we've got we've brought frank miller in to to this fucking podcast you know what on the list of people not invited on any of our podcasts i think frank (laughs) miller is near the top of the list i'll be honest with you frank you may have written you may have drawn and written one of the greatest Batman comics of all time. Two of the greatest Batman comics of all time. Two, and I guess. <laughs> I was I was counting year one. I guess Don I Returns can can hang as well. I'm a fan. I'm you know I just got it. its problems, but I, I'm a fan. I just haven't read it as recently as year one, which I read yeah. a few years ago. And I'm like, fuck, <laughs> that's a good <laughs> that's a good comic. Yeah, it's a good comic. Of the Frank, you're bad. Um, so. Um, you say we're gonna do this uh, cartoon. I never, I knew of it. I knew it existed, but I'd never seen it. Um, you know, I was old enough that I was not. I was watching. I'd already gotten into anime and fallen off of anime by the time this was airing. Basically, <laughs> more or less, as like a teenager. Um, I was playing Final Fantasy, which is not anime. Anime <laughs> deny. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, you're like, oh, there's a comic or whatever. Uh, and I was like, I don't know if I want to we'll see and then um friend of the show has been a lot rick uh came in and was like you need to read the comic if you're going to talk about the show and i was like okay um rick was like it's only 98 pages i was like okay fine and then i came back to you and i was like you want to read the comic i think we should read the comic i'm really glad we read the comic because uh <laughs> frank miller is a man uh who loves things from japan in a way like derogatory <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and jeff darrow is like a fantastic artist um He's most notable for doing like designs in the, like the Matrix movies. Um, I think he's the one who designed the um, the guys, the uh, the Sentinels. I think that's him. Oh, damn! The little uh, guys. I, with I the, believe that with the um, yeah, yeah. Damn, Sentinels are cool. That's um, a cool design. Yes. Um, 
anyway, he's yeah, he's listed as a character designer in all those movies or whatever. But um, um, I was gonna say the 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 comic is really interesting because it's really short and it's like it's like a projection of like a post like an American riff on ass like what what Ninja Turtles did for like under like was riffing on like action comics this is doing for like astro boy kind of like a weird art forward let's fuck around with the form story about what if japan made a little atomic robot um and in a, and mostly that means that it, it's looking for someone to be its fake dad and its fake dad is a giant american robot but it, that robot's not a robot that's actually just a suit piloted by a guy who we and, never see in the comic notably Yes. Um, and it is about the ways in which America and Japan, um, like Japan exists as like a part of the American imperial arm. It's basically like. The, oh, it's, the, it's so good because it's, it's like it's it's a it's, silver age comic told with bronze age art. Yeah. And like and, and artistic sensibilities. And it's t- like it, it really is just telling a story about how. Like, Japan will always be the Silver Age sidekick to America's Silver Age superhero. Yeah, the ways in which, like, so much of Japanese media of the 80s is about, like, uh, or and even, even into, like, Shin Godzilla and stuff, it's about, like, Japan is floundering in the shadow of being, like, America plus. Um, what we need is our own military so we can forge our own identity and we can't get that because America won't let us. But from the other side, it's like, um, like very like hoorah paternalism. It's like a nightmare. <laughs> this, this comic is so much, so much happens. In the, I was, I was bowled over by this comic and the amount of <laughs> things within it, just the sheer ideology on display, because there are parts of it that are like, Frank Miller has been reading manga, and I know he's been reading yeah. manga. He's more, yeah. He is one of the top 10 most plugged-in people in America to what is going on in manga in, like, the 80s and 90s. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. think that's, like, a... That might actually be true and not even an exaggeration. Yeah. Uh, and so... But he's Frank Miller. But he's Frank Miller! <laughs> but so it's, like, with high specificity, diving into these mech ideas, like, it understands what uh, these, like, concepts are about, like... The scene of everyone going, should we call the US or should we like fight with our own Japanese made uh, robotic um, like featured soldier? That is a scene that's just in every one of these shows. But because it's Frank Miller, the answer is, no, we must bring in America to save us as they, we always will. <laughs> but like, even, even, even the introduction is like, Rusty is like is like an experimental like child that like we're not sure if he's ready or whatever meanwhile big guy is out there being the world's policeman like he's not even when they call him he's like somewhere else on a boat like going and giving peace in the american way to another part of the world notably he is on a aircraft carrier stationed in the persian gulf right (laughs) right god in the 90s yes (laughs) um and it's so cognizant of the fact that like in Japan, playing in America, they still just are not doing the empire the way that modern America is doing the empire. But it's not seen as a negative in this book. It's just like, <laughs> no, that's what we do. We're the, we're the empire. We're America. Um, wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's uh, a, a, another fun thing about, uh, well, fun in a sense, that it's interesting to dissect, is how this is just absolutely... Uh, an American military fantasy in the sense that a big guy is a military weapon that never harms civilians. Yes. Like, obviously that's part of the, um, silver age, uh, homage, I guess you could say, but Mm -hmm. like, because it's drawn like a bronze age, there's a ton of gore in it or gore adjacent stuff. Lots of body horror, but nobody dies. And like the, the, the comic is very clear to point that out. And so it's, you know, it's the idea of the, uh, the, the, you know, the drone weapon that never, that always hits its target. You know, the special ops team that all only ever hits its target. It's, it's, you know, very pointed in what it is doing, but I don't, I don't think it's conscious of that. 
I, this it's is hard to I mean, tell. this is like I'm, this is very like what the like liberal ideology of war was in the nineties, right? Like oh, Gundam yeah. Wing is happening the same time, and that's also about this exact thing. <laughs> I mean, Frank Miller is deeply conscious of all these things. He's in, yeah. uh, as opposed to many of the um, works we would like cover, which are just like vaguely liberal, but then stumbling into implications they may not understand. Frank Miller jumps in with open open arms. That's kind of his whole thing. Uh, and that's, you know, why everyone has gone, dude, you've gone too far the last 20 years. Uh, yes. Uh, and it's obviously, it's not quite post-9-11 Frank Miller yet, uh, but it's still so much more out there than the like version of the story that would be more content to just like let all this sit in the background. Yeah, I mean, his famously, his vision of Batman is a giant hulking guy with a tank that shoots rubber bullets that don't kill anybody. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yes, that that is. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's all there. It's right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's just that's become its own like trope at this point, and it's it's interesting to see this giant robot suit do that and also try to like raise this weird little child that believes in him um that has all the magical atomic power and also they're fighting like stripped from any manga like a the the monster is like an ancient an ancient like dna revival of a being that wants to like force evolve everyone into into one big soup it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah i'm like man you've you've really been you, you've not just like you've been reading the manga frank you know what the, <laughs> yes it's, it's like a fucking um you know random giant robo uh, uh not giant robo, um get a robo villain that would that will only be yes. around for two volumes but like yes for those volumes will be the biggest existential threat the world has ever seen shows up <laughs> yeah it's like we're the 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 chicken, you know, evolved things that were hiding behind the mountain, and we want to merge everyone into one, and we're attacking you now. Yeah, uh, is basically exactly what's happening here. And that's something that like really surprised me about it is the specificity of that is so yes. on point. Um, in the way that these sort of like American comics doing quote-unquote anime manga things often feel like they they don't actually know what they're pulling from this is so specific about its pulls but then also like they it's it's two issues it's mostly them fighting this big monster and then it goes into a montage of history like covers of big guy and rusty going through the ages and doing a bunch of like very specific pulls of like what comics were like as a snapshot in like like sci-fi era and like 70s socially conscious era and like goofy crossover era and it's so good (laughs) yes yeah uh i i don't know if the version that y'all were looking at has them but each of these has a date associated with each of these covers Mm -hmm. and Yeah. yeah the earliest is from july 1959 supposedly Mm-hmm. And the latest, which is, I believe, supposed to be the issues that actually exist, are 95, but the ones before that being 1979. So it's incredible. They're so they're so good. Uh, I was I was like I was like, oh, this is like really neat. And I'm like, oh, I'd really want to watch these bad read these bad comics that clearly would like begin to miss the point. But it's so fun uh, to see them all in this pastiche. What do you get when you mix Stalin's brain and an 800-foot lizard, Comrade <laughs> Croc? Yes. Um, Sounds great, honestly. Uh, one of the funny things to me in, in like, the specificity of the pulls is like he knows, Frank Miller knows how like the genre works. He understands like what the these like weird um, organic villains that want to subsume humanity represent, and and like you know, is familiar with this as like a trope of the genre, but he doesn't know that the jsdf exists <laughs> he just keeps saying the japanese army the entire fucking time while still <laughs> doing the plot about how the jsdf must break out of the wing of american paternalism uh it just doesn't say those words it, it, that part was so funny to me because as you know reading on the other side of this with like the so much more available and uh that trope is just drilled into my brain <laughs> uh which is very yeah. funny um yeah it's weird because like so much of the rest is really specific but that part um just being missed is uh, very good and funny yes. <laughs> like there's a thing here you can you talk about the thing and it's just like totally not in the conception of like the idea of what a japan japan military forces just isn't 
a thing that Americans, especially at the time, are like, you know, they're watching their uh, like Toku movies like dubbed and it's not talking about what the JSDF is. Yes. Um, to be fair, like I, you know, I'm not Frank Miller at this point, you know, I'm not, he's like an adult who's read the stuff for years, but like when I think of learning about the JSDF, I think of like late nineties, like I think of like Ava, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. taught me what the JSDF was. Uh, it's the ones for me, like Ava and Pat labor and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this book is real. The other thing cannot be impressed. It's mostly just incredible splash pages of a robot fighting a giant, like atomic dinosaur goopy guy. And it's great. It's fantastic. I'd, I'd love Jeff Darrow's art. Any, yes. Anything he works on is worth reading. If only so you have a chance to look at the huge splash pages. Like the other comic he did with Frank Miller, Hard Boiled, is another one I like just for the art. The, the story is whatever, but the the art is incredible because there's always so much detail in it and it's always fun it's like it's like looking at a where's waldo book yes yeah it's real like prestige art show off thing it's just greebly as hell um incredible pages yeah it's just like because i've mostly been reading manga lately um just because that's what i've been doing that's very rare too because the pure production realities of manga yes yeah Yeah. that is uh often a weekly thing and will thus like just tend towards really striking clean art that uh someone in their 20s can produce very fast yeah (laughs) this is is like because it's doing the the tropes of like superhero stuff but superhero books don't look like this you artists would kill themselves if they tried to do this month i was like i was like this wow and no wonder there's only two issues and it took like a year for each yes. one like this man. is this is what i think of when i think of like indie comics where like someone's drawing an issue a year maybe of this yeah um and they're probably only like the real version of this is like from the 80s and it's only printed in black and white and the scans of it look like shit um but it's the coolest thing you've ever seen <laughs> until fantagraphics picks up and reprints it or something. <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah it's great <laughs> Um, do we have anything else for the comic? Because it, it is pretty it, thin. It, otherwise. it is pretty thin. <laughs> yeah, like the, the th- beyond the the initial shock of realizing what he's done, uh, there's not like that much there too. Because it's just a broad idea for a comic that functionally doesn't exist, right? You have the the setup and then a bunch of covers to imagine the uh, many years of big guy and rusty. But it's mostly just like a, an idea. Uh, it's not really exploring those things. But I was I was definitely bowled over. Like, damn, he's he's yep. There we go. He's done the thing. I guess. Yep. Um. But yeah, which that leads on to the cartoon, which comes a few years later. Yeah, okay, so Big Guy and Rest of the Boy Robot is a Fox Kids Saturday morning show that aired in 1999. Uh, it's developed by Richard Reynas, Dwayne Capizzi, and Jeff Klein. Um, and uh, they made, they made, they aired six episodes and it was cancelled. Um, and they had 20 more because, you know, they produced the whole thing at once because that's how cartoons are made. Uh, it just kind of sat and then they aired the rest all in 2001 in like a weekday block um, and just aired it all together. And that's probably where most people ended up seeing it. Um, and then it rebroadcast on like ABC Family or whatever. Um, and otherwise was not, you know, not a huge part of cartoon history. Uh, 26 episode show. Yeah. No- notably, the 20 episode quote unquote second season was aired basically only like had its original air dates in February and March of 2001. God. Like they they air they just shotgunned that show. Yeah, that makes sense. Which is also very interesting because of its, you know, proximity to 9/11. Imagine what the show m- could have been like if it had been, you know, created two years later you could be watching the cartoon network run of mobile suit gundam at the same time you're watching big guy and rusty the boy robot (laughs) man you know i I probably i probably was watching this at the same time i was watching gundam wing (laughs) um god um so uh this in this uh cartoon uh the premise is um Rusty is a boy, uh, uh, the most advanced little boy robot ever built, and he's got emotions and he's got uh, nuclear protonic powers, and he's built by Quark Industries, which is just like a, you know, military adjacent robot think tank. Um, and he's going to replace, he's supposed to be the replacement for Big Guy, which is a big mech suit that a, a guy pilots. <laughs> 
that uh, notably nobody knows is a mech suit. Yes, it is. It is Lieutenant Dwayne Hunter, um, and uh, voiced by Jim Hanks, which is always was very funny. We'll talk about the voice. The voice in this game, uh, show pretty good. Um, yeah. and um, Rusty has like is like a huge fan of big guy which is kind of like from the comic um and everyone's like well we can't tell him that he's a person because he we need him to listen to you he's really powerful actually uh and he's he's just a little guy um so he's they just, just little, go on he's adventures. Just a little kid don't want to break his heart yeah they just go on adventures uh to not break his heart because if they one if they break his heart it could break him because he's he's he, you know he's a robot uh and get him into shape to be the robot who saves the world as they fight against a bunch of weird aliens and a bunch of evil robots that are all voiced by Clancy Brown <laughs> and uh, a bunch of like shuffled in bad guys for random episodes. Um, this is extremely a kid show and that nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah. So this is a weird show in the, I liked it. I thought it was well made. Um, didn't, did not enjoy myself i was watching it I'm like this is all fine and uh it was also a massive waste of time uh nothing happened <laughs> nothing happened there's so many like things and concepts and ideas are you gonna do anything with them no anytime <laughs> anything might happen we'll like gesture at it and you go oh this going anywhere is he is he ever go- is he ever gonna learn that the big guy's not a robot no he's not he do- he doesn't he doesn't find out that the big guy's not a robot they, they were not. saving that one for the second season. A couple other people do in the last episode. Yes. But apart from that, um, yeah. And you, so you, you also have some like cool individual episodes with like premises that you, you would think would do something. Uh, like as an example, um, uh, Rusty gets like mass produced as like a home version that isn't a super weapon, and. Um, like, what does he think about that? And then that version gets, like, taken over, and there's an army of Rusties that are, like, attacking everyone, and he has to go fight them. Uh, and what does it mean that there's, like, a billion sentient Rusties around that are also, that are now evil? And, you know, what do they say about many of the ideas in the show? Doesn't matter, they blow them up. It's, it's, and there's, he's the only one again. It's fine. Does, not a problem. <laughs> um, uh, and so it's just, like, a very, very self contained, episodic, uh, kid show, which leaves me in a weird spot because I have to do a podcast about it. And all my complaints are, like, why isn't the show for eight year olds exploring any of the ideas about identity that the mecha genre brings into it? And I sound like a moron. <laughs> Well, as, as I said earlier, I was wrong. This is not a mecha show. It is a superhero show. It's just uh, that the superhero yes. happens to be a mech, and the secret identity happens to be that there's a guy. Yeah. I, I do um, think it's a very cute, like, Western cartoon idea to look at mechs and go, this is just like a secret identity plot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I do... It's weird, because, like, the one-offs... There's, like, some really goofy ones that I really like. There's one where, like... They, big guy goes back in time and gets co-opted by the British uh, to be the Iron Jack and win the Revolutionary War. And it's like a real Star Trek dumbass premise. It's so <laughs> dumb. <laughs> um, I really like that one. Uh, there's one where like a bunch of aliens show up and get goo on Rusty, which gives him like pain receptors. And he realizes that he's been doing like he understands what pain is. So he suddenly feels fear. And so he understands that he is a person who enacts violence and thus creates fear in other people. But in a way that only lasts for 10 minutes before they solve the problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 it's dealt with. There's not a, it's not going to be a thing anymore. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah it's I, really funny. Um <laughs> A, a, a fun thing is that right after that episode where he, you know, gets uh, the sense of taste and touch and smell and whatever is immediately followed uh, by an episode where he is correct for having human emotions. And that is the correct choice. And the previous one is that he does not want to be human. <laughs> yes. Well, it's weird because they kind of give him like a Pinocchio thing where it's like, I want to be a real boy, uh, but he's always a re- he's just a real boy. He's just a robot who is a real boy. It's well, fine. Well, no, he purposely does not want to be a real boy. He hates well, I know, that shit. But the plot, the plot like is about him being that character, right? Like he's still in his reticence to be real and his weird definitions of what is and isn't real. It's the most like what an actual little boy is like in the world. <laughs> yeah, because his yeah. motivations are all like, I want to be cool and fly around and can you let me stay up all night? professor yes. um so his like real boy uh schism is mostly around the fact that he wants he as a five-year-old or i guess like eight-year-old wants to 
still be a cool robot that can fly. <laughs> I need Rusty that. to hang out with Hakase from Nietzsche Joe. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Also, if you haven't watched the show, uh, he's got the same voice as Bobby Hill. Well, yeah, it's Pamela Adlin who's great. Who's great? Yes, um, uh, and famous voice actress. Um, you know, she's done some live action stuff, but mostly uh, think of her as a voice actress because uh, her other big roles, Louie and. <laughs> yes uh, um and she does a great job here uh jim hanks is great as like the the way in which he is put in this weird position of he's got a kid that he like it's his job to mind the kid and he's like aware of that and takes it as a responsibility has affection for the kid but also he's just like a, a guy who pots a robot who wants to go home and like live his life it's really good <laughs> he just sounds very tired a lot of the time in a way that's very fun yes yeah I think I think that that sort of is part. I think like okay, so I think this show has basically like two sort of thematic things going on as a through line, mm. which uh, one of them is that this it has a lot of like f- blue collar fears about automation replacing like yes. workers throughout it, like most notably with the Legion Ex Machina and the Nerds episode. <laughs> the Nerds episode is so weird and funny. Yeah, and the lesion being, you know, like robots suppressing their hum- humanity to uh, replace all of humans, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, you know, Rusty being created by scientists and maintained by them, and the big guy being maintained and you know uh, by mechanics. Like, yes. they're not engineers; they are clearly mechanics. Yes. So yeah, there's there's a distinct class thing between the mechanics and the engineers, which is made fuzzy when uh lieutenant hunter starts dating uh dr slate who's rusty's like mom <laughs> and dating in the loosest sense of a kid's show <laughs> yeah showing dating i think they go on one date in the whole yeah. show <laughs> yeah but clearly but like definitely I, I, there yeah they're clearly a couple and rusty does not know and cannot find out <laughs> Yeah, because they don't like first of all because it's so much of the stretch from Rusty's perspective, but also because it's a kid show. They go from like, oh, are they interested to like two weeks later they're functionally married in the, like the way the show works. Because <laughs> there's no there's no like middle getting to know each other period. They're just like a thing that has to be navigated. Yes, but he still always calls her Doctor Slate after she establishes that in like their first meeting that he she is not to be called Erica. Yes. Yes. Uh, I love it. That's great. I love the the weird, broken family narrative that's in this show. Because it is just like, Tim is just like, a fi- I mean, this is like a ch- child's like morality tale kind of cartoon where it's like, kid has a problem. He approached it emotionally in like a wrongheaded way. The adults explain how he should approach it and he fixes it. Um, but it's all of them on a giant military installation fighting aliens. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Which uh, sort of leads to the second theme that is throughout, which is the show's relationship to patriotism is an interesting <laughs> one. <laughs> this is the, this is like the ways in which we talked about all oh, the, the comics, like clearly like Frank Miller's got ideology that I do not necessarily agree with. But it's he, like sharp. The things he's talking about, he understands. This is more the you walk in and don't really know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> version of this so like it's set in america but no one says the word america but you go they go back to the revolutionary war and there's like a statue of abraham so it's clearly america but then there's an american flag is like a fake just generic american flag i mean the opening title is like a fucking weird patriotic march right right but it's doing that through the lens of like we like golden age imagery right yes it's like doing mm-hmm. some tomorrowland shit uh and thus trying to disconnect it wants to both have some specific american history and patriotism but also to disconnect like the vis of 1930s bronze age comics like futurism as just this universal american truth of a reality it wants to portray it's very strange mm. to to me it strikes me as very you know like uh mid to late 90s end of history sense of yes. america right like yeah the, you know when they get to the statue of um uh like of abraham lincoln and i'm, I'm doing maths in my head i'm like well that's like where did this society change then? <laughs> Which is not like it's not a real question, right? Like it, it doesn't matter. It's a fake universe. But the the fact the the insistence on putting in the specific American iconography and references and you know doing the Revolutionary War episode, and then like the present day is this non time of just 
Neutronic City. Deco, so, yeah. It'd be like, I mean, this is just how I thought when, like, the big O started mentioning he's from Italy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's the same thing of that. They, they go to one other place in the show, which is, quote unquote, the Congo. Yes. In the very yes. last episode, which uh, is also a choice. Just, yeah. But it's also just like genericized um, portrayal of a 1930s African time. jungle. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, like, but it is like coming from like that uh, an old timey American pop culture portrayal of a place. Mm hmm. Um, and just just doing that the same way we we um you know we watched uh Scooby Doo Mystery Science Theater uh, not Mystery Science Theater Mystery Movement. that's a fucking hell I can't talk I just said Scooby Doo Mystery Science Theater um, Mystery Incorporated uh, and that was also just occasionally because it was doing genre riffs would just do just like here's some fucking racism for you bam like they used to do uh, <laughs> this isn't doing it in a, like that was like doing it with, like in an ironic way where you're like are you commenting it I don't know if you I don't know if council's commenting it this is just yeah that's re- like that's just, like post adult swim yes. irony racism yeah this is this is this is just presenting it this is just we're we're going back to the classics and one of the classics is uh, we're going to the the jungle like it's a thirties adventure serial notably though not a single black person in that episode not even garth no that would that <laughs> like they know that that'd be uncomfortable so their answer yeah. is to just yeah. not touch it <laughs> mm-hmm. which again don't know if that solves the problem but i understand your motivations there <laughs> hopefully no one will notice uh, no, because no one's watching the last episode of big guy and rusty aired out of order in march 2001 uh that's true uh, very, very um, strange that the last episode, in terms of air date, is uh, not the one that clearly was supposed to end the season, the two-parter. Uh, I love that because it's like the big resolve of like the the League of Bad Guys, the Legion X Machina or whatever. They build an evil big guy, um, and he's pretty cool, um, uh, who just has like an idiot gun. He just has an idiot gun. Yes. For the record. I don't think that's like meant to be a reference, but I pop for it. Um, and then they round up all the Clancy Browns, um, get rid of them, because the Legion X Machina is five guys who are voiced by Clancy Brown, and then one guy who's voiced by one of the guys who played one of the lone gunmen on the X-Files. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just such a weird pull of like, ah, oh, they're all Clancy Brown doing goofy Lex Luthor voices at each other, except this one other guy. <laughs> um. And, um, yeah, they're like, oh, there, there's actually seven of them, not six of them. Dun, dun, dun. Who could it be? We'll find out the next other, season. Find out next season when it's another Clancy Brown. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that episode also contained one of my favorite plot points uh, in the Voltus 5 uh, vein of, so they don't know that there's a guy inside the robots. They, they build the fake big guy uh, and... They try to they they like try to you know pass it off with the real big guy, but then when it gets in, they're like, "All right, get out now!" And they realize the the real big guy isn't the robot. So instead of building a fake robot big guy, they build a fake robot of uh, <laughs> yes. uh, Jim Hanks. Yes, um, yeah. Which is again, I love having watching Falter's Fires. I will always be happy when someone's plan to any situation is just to make a fake android of a guy. For, for you, you need to. But you for, did anyway, for no purpose, for like very little benefit yes. in the actual material plot. But here's another android that I made. Yeah, that that episode is honestly probably the funniest in the show, just for the amount of times that they're like running into the problem of the fact that there's no one inside of their bad guy. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like the, the the image of the the evil bad guy stomping through the halls of the of the military base, hunched over, so that he can yeah. attend a meeting. Uh, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for all of its, like, simplicity, when it goes for, like, the big fights and the creature stuff, like, it is a show with, like, relatively good action, especially for, like, one of these kids' shows. Um, there's one episode, my probably my favorite episode of this entire show is uh, Nephew of Newgog, <laughs> which is about um, the shitty kid, the, the shitty, rich, annoying, brainy kid, Pierre, gets 
um, the helmet of Dr. Newgog, who's a horrible monster voiced by Tim Curry and become, he just goes Reginald Barkley, like, Thank take you. over the ship mode. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking this entire episode. Like, this is just like the time that Barkley went to the holodeck and was like, make this thing. And then the holodeck said, that thing doesn't exist yet because it's it with, like, with like horrible body horror on top of it. <laughs> <Yes>. It's incredible. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. I'm glad that you also, of course you did. <laughs> yeah. Um, great episode. I love when they do like weird goopy alien stuff. Um, yeah, they I did, wish there was they, more of it. They did an extremely good job of translating Jeff Darrow's extremely intense art into animation. Yes. Yeah, uh, without with still making a show that small children could watch, right? Yeah, <laughs> easy it, to it miss that one. Walks walks a nice fine line, and I I think that like this, it's just this studio style. They did um, I'm pr- they did at least two other shows, possibly a third. They did the. Men in Black cartoon as well, which I think got two oh, seasons. Right. Yeah, and I never then they also that. did Extreme Ghostbusters, um, <laughs> oh, which was right. one, which was also only one season. And those have a very similar art style. And they they also from and, you know it's been a long ass time since I've watched either of them. Uh, they also have a similarly you know quality uh, quality of uh, animation and uh, writing. So take um, take from that as you will. I remember enjoying them a great deal, but. <laughs> That's probably also yeah. shows where nothing happens. They did, um, <laughs> around this time they were doing, they did the Dilbert show, um, and, uh, the Roughnecks Starship Troopers Chronicles cartoon. Amazing. Huh, that's interesting, since that's 3D animation. Yes, that's a CG show. It came out the year before this. That is also a show that I considered having I y'all watch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they did fucking Jackie Chan Adventures? Man, I watched so much yeah. of Jackie Chan Adventures as a kid. That's a bad show. That was way past me. I, yes, I did no, not watch any of that. That's the generational gap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's weird because, like, um, despite saying, like, oh, this is kind of a, like, a nothing we watch. I, like, watched it. It, it is fun. I, like I was watching this like with my lunch at work. I'd go, you know, I'd have lunch and I watched an episode or two of Rusty when I was clocked out. It was great, a uh, perfect way to watch it. It's just a chill, nice time. Uh, it's weird to like come here and try to like do a critical analysis of Big Guy and Rusty the show because it's, it's just like it, empty calories. It's fine. A lot of kids shows like that. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. Um. But it was pleasant. Like I said, I think the voice acting is like way better. It has better voice acting than it has scripts to support the voice acting. Um, yes, <laughs> which is fine. A lot of shows are like that. Um, but you, you look, I look at them like if this show was made like three or four years later, they could actually like do some plots and like really move it forward and like make something. Unfortunately, they didn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it wouldn't look as good. No, that's true. It wouldn't look as good. <laughs> Oh, it, it probably wouldn't have to be on Fox Kids to be the thing that I want. Also, yeah, yeah. this a Netflix animation, Big Guy and Rusty would probably go some places. I'm just thinking like a like a mid aughts Cartoon Network version of this also would be. I think it would have been fine. It would have, uh, you know, it wouldn't have been like Teen Titans, but it wouldn't uh, like it a. I think it would have hang all right. Post Samurai Jack era of yeah yeah. <clears throat> At that well, point, they were doing all sorts of stylish things with cartoons uh, that just was like, you know, Fox Kids is not going to pay for that. No, <laughs> they're showing they're showing fucking Bobby's World. Like, no one should be watching Bobby's World. Sorry to any fans of Bobby's World listening to this. I always hated that show as a kid. <laughs> Same. My mom liked it for some reason. <laughs> Your mom just loves Howie Mandel. Yes. <laughs> moms love howie mandel that's just true i think that's just true in life is that just true um, i think that's just true my mom loved howie mandel um i barely know who howie mandel is that's all right you don't have to know you really don't <laughs> he's a canadian comedian it's fine oh okay yeah that, um, that makes sense why i have no idea who that is yeah he was in saint elsewhere it's like and then bobby's world he's yeah he's just uh he's like a He's on talent show. He's like a talent show judge eternally at this point. He's one of those guys. Man, if if you are a like C tier celebrity, but you fall into being a talent show judge in like 2011, yeah, ride that's, it that's out. Ride life, that yeah. shit out. <laughs> you show up maybe four months of the year. Go, oh, that was shit, and then go home. Yeah. It's great. Oh, you, you know what? He's the deal or no deal guy. You probably know him from that. Noel Edmonds. No, the American version. Why would I know the American <laughs> version? I don't know. I don't know. I tried. I did my best. 
the deal on the other guy, I'm like, no, that means he killed somebody. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Okay. There's <laughs> uh, a um, Twilight Zone, the movie esque bad oh, okay. situation involving Noel Edmonds in his game shows in the 90s, I think. Famous bad thing that happened in British television production. Nothing to do with Howard Mandel, which also has nothing to do with uh, Big Guy and Rusty, but um, it's kind of a light yeah. episode. That's fine. Tandits are yeah, okay. I, th- I think I only have three other short, very short things to note. One is that yeah. um, just for anyone who didn't watch the show, whenever big guy deploys his like big primary arm machine guns that come out of his elbows they're so weird <laughs> they come I, out of his elbows. I think they're really cool the way yeah, they, they come are out cool. but not- notably it makes an eagle scream when they fire <laughs> <laughs> just just to top it off um the, the the military also has real ass guns like they don't have laser guns or anything kid friendly thing like that they all have like m16s and this like, is the this is the uh the Stands of Practices post-Batman the series thing. I was literally talking about this on my Batman podcast last night. Stands of Practices don't care if kids... They don't want handguns because kids could get a hold of a handgun. But kids can't get a hold of military-grade assault rifles, in theory. Uh, and thus, you can put them on TV. And it's, also, the, the, it's also got the retro future look, so everything's like... Yes. Uh, in the similar way to Batman being in the... like They, they love to have Tommy guns on screen on Batman. It's yeah. true. Yeah, no, that was the thing. That was the yeah. thing that they did. They're like, you can't put handguns on. Like, well, can we do a sorry? Can we do like Tommy guns? Like, well, yeah, those aren't in people's homes. So, like, yeah, everyone's got a, <laughs> got a Tommy gun then. That's really funny. Yeah, and then and then the last thing I want just wanted to hit is that um, the action is all taken like from professional wrestling, notably like the the way that it is uh, staged, I think, and mm-hmm. choreographed. Yeah. You know? As opposed to some other sources that the show might have pulled from, like, action movies or whatever. Yeah, it gives it, like, a really distinct look, especially, like, you'd think that something like this would maybe go for, like, a... Because Power Rangers is really big, right? And that's area mm-hmm. of, like, box. They might go for, like, a toku look, and they really don't. Uh, I think it gives it a really distinct flavor. Okay, and then one last question that I don't have an answer for. But do either of you have any idea why Big Guy says, for the love of Mike? No. Yeah, okay. No. <laughs> Mystery. You know Love what? of I, Mike uh, is an idiom that just, it's just an old-timey idiom, apparently. Yeah, I assume it's just oh. like, oh, people, back in the day when people got offended when you actually said for the love of God. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, I guess that, I guess that tracks maybe from the love of St. Michael. Um, the other thing that's, uh, I think is fun is, uh, there's like toys of the era that Bandai produced, um, that actually look pretty sick. Uh, I'm sending a picture of some of the figures. Um, yeah, those look okay. (laughs) I want a big guy. They should make models of the, uh, no one's going to make a model of the big guy, but I would put together a gunplo of the big guy. Oh, I absolutely would too. It, it looks like that toy looks like maybe the wrist, or the, the like back of the hand mounted guns, and then maybe the elbows open up as well. It's hard to tell. Yeah. But if it's if it's got those uh those elbow machine guns, I'm I'm in. <laughs> I'll give it this. It's a very different style, but like as someone who generally does not like Western designed mecha, uh, because of the like post BattleTech blocky nonsense. Uh, this uh-huh. is a, this is just a good this is just a good mecha design. Um, um i like the way in which it looks like a refrigerator yeah like the like white uh the white like clad metal look with like the blue detailing uh here's another picture this this uh arm totally opens up look at that yo that's, so that's great oh and you can stick rusty on like in the one episode <laughs> yes. yes those are some fun details yeah although that's uh yeah i, w- I would much rather have a, a gun plus style kit of big guy because that this is pretty low grade <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah, if you look at the back, it's like all they got the action figure like screw holes and stuff. It's just one of those, but it is kind of yeah. neat. Um, apparently, had Burger King kids meal toys, which is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> wow, they were. I mean, not surprising that the Fox Kids really pushed this. Yeah, flop nonetheless, I suppose. Um. I'm going to send one more photo of the inside. This is really we've got bottoms at home. Uh, wow god it really is way more detailed than i thought they would put in honestly it's actually kind of cool um 
greenlit this toy before the, the show aired yes. <laughs> and got yeah, cancelled in six weeks. It's just a shot of the big, like the the biggest size uh, big guy figure and it, the back opens up and you can get the cockpit inside and it's like a bunch of detailing. It's pretty good. I can't get over how the, because they couldn't do like a silver robot, this weird white and blue color scheme just makes it look like someone's wearing the Tron costumes. It does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fair. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's Big Guy and Rusty. We had a good time, like I say. Uh, yeah. Uh, fun to watch, fun to like orient ourselves with where cartoons were at for just like doing this kind of thing. Um, yeah, this is kind of like, like I, you know, I'm, I'm 14 to 16 when this happens. I'm not watching these kind of kids shows anymore. Um, so it kind of just misses me. Um, it was am, nice to go back. I am, but I don't have Fox Kids, so I only see like the popular ones that make it onto CITV. Yeah. Yeah, I would have been like 11 when this came out, I think, mm. 11, 12, around there. So right right in the, <laughs> let me tell you, this and uh, uh, Gundam Wing being at the same time is very funny to me. Well, that's the other thing is, like, while I didn't have watched this show specifically or know what anime was, I definitely liked anime as a child, right? I didn't have the words to identify it, but I knew that the, the Beyblade show that is not a good anime was cooler than the fucking Evolution cartoon I was also watching. I, oh, didn't know, yeah. I didn't know why, right? I didn't understand why I thought that, but I did that. I Wasn't forgot the there was I an have. Evolution cartoon. Outrageous. Ser- serialized narrative. That, that is my go-to thing, is that kids in the 90s and before that, presumably, in the early 2000s were starving for serialized narrative that treated them like they could remember what happened last week on a show. Yeah, and anime I, yeah. gave that to us, and American cartoons did not. So anime was always going to be cooler. Yeah, I just, I'm, it's just like a, a comparison that sticks in my head because, like, I believe that Beyblade cartoon is not that anime is not great, right? Like, I'm, it's not like I understand. You just understand because I've been reading it recently. I understand how you just, you're a child, you watch the Saiyan saga, and you're like, my world is fucking changed. Um, yeah, but this wasn't that situation. I mean, I, I was like watching Digimon and other like good shows, but it was also just, I just clearly it was. As a child, gravitating more to the aesthetics of the anime stuff that was coming over without even realizing what that was. Um, yeah. I don't have a, like explanation for that. I just know that as a child, I would have rather watched a real anime than this. And I would and I would know the difference, even not knowing what that meant. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I was online. I knew what anime was at this point. Yeah, yeah, but you were <laughs> seven years older than me, so... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's a big difference at that point in time. Yeah um but yeah uh this was uh pretty good fun uh so thank you for bringing it yeah uh, it was no problem. great to watch it yeah. uh realize that man cartoons <laughs> um next month we are covering scott pilgrim and by that i mean all the volumes and we will be revisiting the movie just because we can't talk about one without talking about the other um probably but we're mostly focusing on the the comics themselves so yes i I gotta ask do you have someone from toronto at coming in for that who no 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 i think um we know a few people from toronto but i don't know if anyone yeah no no no, i don't think so (laughs) okay just uh, as someone who has lived in Toronto his entire life. That comic hits differently when you're from there because <laughs> of all the... Oh, I bet. I like, bet, because like, it's really specific, right? Yeah, like getting lost in Honest Ed's, that is a legit thing. Well, yeah. not anymore. Honest Ed's is gone, but that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be fun. I've, I haven't read that since uh, it was relatively, like, until, like, shortly after Volume 6 came out, I think is the last time I read the whole thing, and um, I, 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 I remember being a big fan, so. I've just seen the movie and I remember liking it, but I haven't revisited it since I've realized that I don't like um, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright, yeah. Because yeah. I was like, oh, Edgar Wright really fell off after Scott Pilgrim, then I went back and watched Hot Fuzz and was like, wait, maybe I just, I've just grown beyond him. I, like, I remember this being one of the greatest movies of all time, and you could hear both of us have our bubbles popped uh, watching, uh, <laughs> watching that on blockbusters um so i'm very curious to both read the uh comic for uh and or for the first time and also uh uh revisit the movie um, having having your bubble pop and realizing you don't like the thing you're do- like watching as much as you thought is actually the experience of brian and leo O'Malley making scott pilgrim so i'm actually really excited to cover it <laughs> yeah i know that's like a lot of what's it, what it's about and where it goes yeah. um and uh i'm very excited i'll have a good time reading it yeah um so look forward to that next month 
Um, Austin, you want to do some plugs? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Austin Ramsey. You can find me on Twitter at not an in. I'm also uh, a tabletop role-playing game designer, best known for Beam Saber, which is a Forge in the Dark game about playing pilots of mechs and other vehicles in a never-ending war. And you can find my game design work at austin-ramsey.itch.io. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jackson plugs. Find me at headfallsoff on twitter.com. And if you want to listen to the other podcasts that me and I make, they are about they are at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore bing. If you'd like to support our work, you can do that. Patreon.com slash normal mapping. Uh, for one dollar, you get the Great Gundam Project. Right now, we're watching Superior Defender Gundam Force, which is a CG show from just a few years after this. Uh, I think if Shoot hung out with uh, Rusty, it'd be great. Actually, I think <laughs> yes, along incredibly well. <laughs> I kept almost typing Neotopia in my notes about uh, <laughs> <laughs> instead of Neutronic. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, that's a great kid show, also. Um, so if you want to listen to that, we're also covering Digimon uh, Tamers, which is mostly a very exceptional kid show, except last week and hopefully not this week, where it was kind of mid. Um, <laughs> once oh, I've got, to got watch one. three episodes of that this week, man. That's yeah, so yep. much more than two. Sorry, uh, it'll go quick. I did. Not morning. um and uh, for five dollars you get blockbusters where once a month we talk about hollywood pictures we recently did an episode on pelican brief which is pretty good that's a good um the episode not the movie (laughs) and next (laughs) next month we're doing knives out uh, which i'm looking forward to for ten dollars you get vape life where we mostly talk about stupid shit we recently ranked uh cartridges that go in video game consoles by their aesthetics um I don't know what we're talking about this week because we haven't recorded it yet and I don't have anything, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> I know what we're talking about. And um, I think that's everything. Thanks again, Austin, for coming by. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll be back next month. Yeah. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Bye. Amaro. <laughs>